Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. All right. Welcome to We Do Recover. Hey, so, give me a little enthusiasm. All right. I, I was blowing up the mic. I, this oh, new mic. Right. We got this fancy new mic stand. And yeah, you got there it. There we go. Now, now we're you got rocking a new rolling. mic stand. So what do you get when you combine a substance abuse counselor, a board-certified addictionologist, and the director of a radio station? Wow, this is a tough riddle. A couple, goof, a couple professional goofballs trying to send a message of recovery. Boom. I like to call it We Do Recover with Jared Miller. (laughs) That's right. You're listening to We Do Recover. I'm the host of this thing, Jared Miller. Today, I'm joined by your co-host, the Dr. Terry Sellers. Good afternoon, everyone. It's afternoon. And the producer that makes this thing possible, Sean Denovan. Today on We Do Recover, we're going to talk about Oregon decriminalizing small amounts of all drugs. But before that, episode 51, part one, is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers where addiction ends and healing begins. If you or a loved one need help, please give them a call. That phone number is 801-800-8142. So, nice freaking white and blue and ugh. I'm just disgusted, sellers. What are you talking about? Your outfit. I'm just sitting over here just disgusted. I don't know what you're talking about. You know. It's a great outfit. Do you see our outfits we got? Go. Hopefully, if you guys are watching this, right, the 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 film version of this, Dr. Sellers is in his Y outfit. I got the typical. I'm, I'm trying to go for the boss look today. How am I doing? It's pretty good, actually. The sunglasses. I just need chance. the. Yeah. I just need, it's like, the bad. long hair in the back. You yeah. know what I mean? I should have glued something on back there. Sure. You know? Sure. Absolutely. Are you ready for the rivalry game? I am. Uh, so that's something we can have a little fun with, for sure, because... Uh, for anybody who's not, who for for anyone who knows anything about sports, tomorrow is the big game in state, the Holy War. It's the Holy War, once listed as maybe the second best rivalry in the entire nation. Uh, I feel like it's dwindled a little bit, but not not a lot. After this podcast is gonna blow up. Oh, we're blowing up because I mean, people can see that I'm wearing you're the wearing colors. Red? It's gonna win. Well, no, you're wearing red. The University of Utah. You're wearing maybe. red, though. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I'm fully aware I, of that. I thought maybe you were colorblind. <laughs> Go Utes, baby. So, Utes. Ten long years. What do you got? It's been a minute. No question. Listen, what do you, What do I you got? got? I mean, I got I'm no, sitting over I here with no ten ar- long I got no years. Four thousand three hundred and two days. Four thousand, give or take a day, three hundred and two days. Wonder what you're doing, furiously typing on your phone <laughs> over there. Now I just found out. Apparently, it's been four thousand three hundred and two days since BYU beat Utah in football. That's right. Uh, Does any other sport matter? I mean, ballroom dancing. I mean, they do good at ballroom <laughs> oh, dancing. I'm sure. Oh yeah, we yeah. got them in BYU's, ballroom dancing. Yeah, yeah. It's country sure. dancing that you know what I mean. We that got they got them. us in. We got no. We got you in ballroom dancing too. We got a nice ballroom <laughs> oh dancing troops. We also have you in basketball, men's and women's soccer, volleyball, golf. I just want to know if your secondary is ready for but Brewer. But football, we don't have it yet. I just want to know if your secondary Not is ready for, for Brewer. We're going to see tomorrow. Yeah. Hey, we will. We're going to see tomorrow. I So for those of you that I, – I wasn't here last week for the podcast because I went down to the BYU-Arizona game, which was down in Las Vegas, and that was a ton of fun. Uh, we played okay. We weren't great. I didn't come away from that game thinking for sure we're going to beat Utah because no, the team that if we don't improve on last week, we're not going to beat Utah because Utah's for sure better than Arizona. And we beat Arizona. There, the game wasn't really in doubt. The final score was semi close, but the, the game wasn't that close. But we didn't blow them away. We beat them, but we didn't blow them away for sure. We're going to get to talking about the decriminalization. We're not that's even talking Oregon, about that. But but I, I, I mean I, I do want to. I mean this is a this is a huge week. Right. This is the big. holy war, baby. Right. And so I big. watched the University of Utah play Weber State, and the whole time, yeah. okay, well, I'm a football guy. I'm, a, sec, I'm an old wait coach. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Hold on. Before you do that, because let me tell you what people ragged me about all last year. All right. Let's get it. Playing a high school schedule. Okay, who'd you guys play last week again? I mean... Oh, Weber State. That's That's, right. Weber State. What are you trying to say, man? Worse than any team we played last year. What are you trying... That's my alma mater. 
Okay. Hey, hey, we Weaver's playing here this week here at DSU. Well, see, l- listen, they play right, tough teams. Listen, they, they play tough Weaver teams. does. Weaver's good in their division. It's not a good division, right? They but, are. Packed. I'm not trying to downplay Weaver. Weaver's a smaller school. It's just not on par with a Pac-12 school. Yeah, they're it's the not mountain, on par with BYU. They're the Mountain West Conference champs for years. But okay, so anyways, let, let me get to my okay. So I'm, I'm I think you made I, that up. I don't think they're Mountain no, West they are champs. No. They have been for like the last yeah. I think made that up three or five years. How about Sky Big Sky Big Sky? Sorry, yep, you're right. Mountain Big West Sky. is Boise State. And we won't beat Boise State. Potato tomato. All right, I just so. saw that video. <laughs> it's a funny tomato one, huh? tomato. Okay, so the coach in me, as I'm watching Utah play Weber State, what's a tomato? Oh my, is thinking to myself, what are we doing? Like we, Utah could just run at Weber State and right. crush them, right? right? Like would, absolutely, you, you, you would think. Oh, they for sure, they for sure would. Should. But they're 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 slinging the ball around. You know what I mean? They're hitting their receivers. Yeah. yeah. And then I watch BYU play. What does BYU have? Up front, some uh, big defensive we got big, boys. We got big boys. Line, we for sure will be playing the run better than the pass. Yes, the linebacker crew for the Y is always solid, solid, right? And so then it dawned on me, right? It hit me like my observation of both games. I now I don't know, right? I haven't I haven't talked to Coach Witt, but my theory was I think the U was preparing ahead oh, of time oh, for, for sure. the Y for sure. And it it makes sense. It's okay. Yeah, like having a having sort of an easy win on your first game of the year. Tons of teams do that. That's not a Utah thing. That's at lots of teams. Look at who, shoot, Ohio State played last week, or look at who. I mean, you know, Alabama plays Troy, and right, like right. Clemson plays. Non conferences are just kind of warm up. North Carolina A and T, and yeah, the the first game of the year is can easily be used as a warm-up. The problem with BYU schedule is, of course, uh, no no conference affiliation. Oh, wait. Yes, we do. But Ooh. never mind. Big 12 invited us oh. today or yesterday, and we have accepted. Um, Breaking news, everybody. I think it's out there. But uh, they invited uh, BYU, uh, Cincinnati, Houston, and University of Central Florida. And they're thinking about, still thinking hard about Memphis and Boise State. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that'll be a P5 conference, hopefully. Um, although there's some talk that maybe Big 12 doesn't get to be a P5 conference because Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, which is giant losses, of mm. course. They're going to the SEC. But um, so anyway, uh, BYU with no conference affiliation, we struggle to fill games in October and November because that's when everyone's in their conference races. Right. So we have to shove big teams in early. We can't play Troy. We can't play Weber State early. We have to, if we're playing them, we have to try and play them late because uh, because we can't shove big teams in late. We have, If we're going to play big teams at all, if we're going to play Utah, Utah, remember, it used to always be November 25th. Oh, yeah. Utah's not going to play us on November 25th no. because they're preparing for USC. Right. Or they're preparing to, you know, maybe be in a conference championship you don't, game or You don't want to be in the middle of your, you know what I mean, your conference yeah. run and have to play a non-conference and, team. It's and then have weird. to play a team that won't, even if you beat them, won't really do you much good. No. Listen, BYU is a good team, but it doesn't really do Utah any good in the middle of a conference race towards the end of a conference race to play BYU. That wouldn't do any good at all. Listen, I love this. I've missed this last year. Yeah, sure. Oh, I needed this in my life, you know, yeah. some football. Sure, some I football. got two tickets for you. Hey, really? Yeah, tomorrow night. Oh, you're the, you I appreciate that. You can sit right that. by me. <laughs> I you love it. I'm coming in red. You can, oh, for sure. Uh, if Mandy's came, coming in red. We're coming in doubt. If you came not in red, I'd be disappointed. Come okay, on. all right. I, I, I love I'm you, asking sellers. you not to be unbelievably obnoxious, but <laughs> for sure you have to cheer for your team. Uh, like, I don't throw beer at us. <laughs> really? I've actually had that happen, and I know people say it doesn't. I've had it happen. So, first of all, I don't drink beer. Wait, you've had beer thrown at you at a BYU game? Yeah. That makes but, perfect. I mean, I can see them throwing caffeinated drinks right, at you, but. Right. <laughs> I was a BYU game, but it was up in Salt Lake. Nice. Nice. Well, let's get to some new and good. Right I after mean, I they asked me if I was still a virgin. Oh, sweet. Did I tell you that story? No. I literally was sitting in I the. I guess we're getting it. <laughs> I was literally sitting in a section with the coach's families because my wife's brother was a strength and conditioning coach for BYU for a long time. 
and I'm sitting and I'm walking out of the stadium and there's three Utah students there. And who walks in front of me? Patty Edwards. Lavelle Edwards was a classy man and Patty Edwards was the class of the family. Gotcha. And these three Utah students are sitting there. Are you a virgin? Are you a virgin? Are you a virgin? They asked Patty Edwards if she was a virgin. I almost got in a fight. Yeah. Almost got in a fight with that. I'm like, come on. Yeah, that's rough. Grow up. Let me grab my three kids. (laughs) Right. We're out of here. Vanessa. Vanessa, I love you guys. Big, big love. We love you too. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. Yeah. I used to live a few houses down from Vanessa. I know. I'm. Yeah. 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 That's the story. So, uh, let's check in on some new and good. Okay, let's do that. Let's so, get, Sean Denville, let's get him Sean, in Sean, what's new and good with you? Are you a virgin? <laughs> <laughs> We're on one today. I know. Wow. I didn't know yeah. what to answer either. No, I had three jokes ready to go, and I couldn't say any of them. What? There's jokes I say. Yes, yeah. I I thought of a punchline, but I'm like, I can't say that with this crowd. You can't say it you on can... my on this podcast. It goes on the radio too. I mean, like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> anyway, life's good. Beep. That's all. Everything. Start is. telling your joke, and I'll just do this every no. once in a while. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, nothing too exciting. Nothing too good. Got a motorcycle ride. Actually, a memorial ride for a friend of ours who passed away last year. Oh. So we have a, a ride tomorrow that we're doing. And where's, where's the ride to? I don't know. Just around St. George. Okay. Just, so just a little. Getting out and getting on the bike. Yeah. And just, okay. uh, just a memorial ride for that. And that's right. about it. You know, I got some new swag for the radio station. Got our new tent. I, I love it. I gave you guys those little clips, those little uh, uh, yeah. chip clips. Yeah. There you go. Got one. I got and and today got you're going to get in the mix with this topic, oh, I That's hope. right. You want like we my need, opinions yes, and yes, discussion. Yes, we do. We, we, we need the, the normie opinions. Because we have we I've have asked my wife to come on industry. this podcast to be the normie opinion. Well, I'm, she I'm just ready won't to do talk. It. You guys like wasted 12 minutes talking about like hockey or something. No, that's not wasted. <laughs> hockey that's or something. life right there. <laughs> that's this really important. That's life in recovery. This other stuff's not relevant. Left-handed only pickleball. I'm the best. You liar. You're a right-hander you cheater uh, uh vanessa saying big story it's a big story. tim how's hey, it going tim. buddy hey What's guys up, brother? love you guys amber love my fridays with you guys thanks we love our fridays with you Absolutely. appreciate those thanks, who amber. listen all so, right what's new and good with you doc i bought a new car okay i'm so excited about it i can't stand it because uh you guys you know some stuff about me i'm flashy no way. Yeah, it's true. Like I, I'm, no I'm way. I like buying German cars. I think they're really well made, but they're also flashy mm-hmm. um, and and quite expensive usually. I bought a Hyundai Sonata hybrid, which is so against everything that is me. I can't stand it, and I'm so in love with that car. I can bear, hardly, I can hardly bear how much I love the car. I'm so proud of you, Doctor. It's Sellers. so practical. It's so unbelievably. You're growing up right in front me. of my eyes. Buddy. My wife was so happy that I was willing to buy that. <laughs> I'm like, why are we here at the Hyundai dealership? I'm not going to buy this. And then we got in this, and apparently they don't have. They have a hard time keeping the um, the the hybrids on the lot. And this car had just gotten on the lot two hours beforehand, and they had no other hybrids on the lot. And we went and drove a regular Hyundai Sonata, not hybrid, and it was okay. So, I yeah. mean, they're making a decent car. It's a yeah. good car. Yeah. But I, I just didn't thrill me. And then we got in the hybrid, and it's it was just really cool. I, I love, love it. it. I'm happy yeah. with it. I got 61 miles a gallon coming it's down. It's white. There. It's gorgeous. It's white. Yeah. Yeah. It's sweet, lovely. Sweet. All right. So my new and good, I'm not going to keep you guys much longer from the uh, topic at hand because we're pretty excited to, to talk about Oregon decriminalizing all, you know, the small amount of drugs and going into that. My new and good, however is recovery days sean denovan will you cue the uh little slide we got going on here so we got recovery days coming up thursday september 30th look at that from four o'clock to 7 p.m that's right in the town square of saint george there's gonna be live music there's gonna be free food games prizes resources family activities so if you are in recovery even if you're in addiction come on out i love i love seeing people in addiction yeah still love them it's fun remember the golf tournament you and i played in this week yes just seeing people that's fun like oh absolutely that kind of stuff the social piece is so important so make sure you get out to recovery days it's it's put on by usara love those guys uh hey september uh, 30th let me ask a question Usually a countdown clock goes down to zero. 
That's headed north, my friend. All right, when it hits 25, you're done. All right, I'll, I'll fix it at the break. That is headed north. I, I know, I had to uh, change it for the other podcast. I thought I had OCD. Sorry. Man, wow. you're on it, sellers. All right, so. Well, I'm like, when are we going to get to zero? Oh, wait, we're not ever going to get to zero on that clock. <laughs> we'll get to 100, but never zero. All right, let's jump into it. All right. I think we're, we're in we? recovery days. Recovery days, go recovery still? days. Yeah. All right, so Oregon. So let's uh, let's get into it. How do, how does somebody get to the point where they decriminalize? Like, talk to me. Okay, You've been so, in this thing a lot longer yeah. than I have. Drop some knowledge on it. Uh, well, I'd Sellers. like to start with a couple of things because um, drum roll. First of all, one of the things we're gonna the thing we're talking about is uh, it was a it was a House bill. It was Resolution One Ten in Oregon, and it passed. And it legal it didn't legalize. That's not what it did. Passed it in November. Decriminalized. decriminalized mm-hmm small amounts of illicit drugs for personal use. You can still get a fine, you just don't get jail time for this, okay? But I I, I wanted to start, how did we get to that point? And I think that there's a, there's a quick, I don't want to dwell on this part at all because I don't think it's all that important, but you know, uh, drug abuse has been around forever, mm-hmm. right? There are biblical stories of using wine as a weapon of war, go get the other people drunk and then you attack them. And, I mean, there's stuff about this from way back, and half the stuff you read, I think, in the Old Testament, where it sounds like people are possessed by the devil, they also sound quite drunk, frankly. From the dawn of yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, this has been a problem forever. We've always tried to. So, um, but in the history of our country, the United in the States his, of America, in the history of the United States of America, we've dealt with this forever. And what happened is, people with drug abuse problems bother society sometimes yeah the guy who's laying on the street corner laying in the gutter like he's bothersome people don't want to walk by that guy right so it it's actually, bothersome so it's a problem go ahead yeah it actually actually uh happened all the way back in in like the 1800s sure right with uh basically clergy deemed those who couldn't control their drinking as immoral, immoral. people immoral right, right well and that's how it started right so it, Here's where we are today, and then I'll go right back. Again, I'm taking longer than I meant to, but where we are today is we believe and we're trying to put forth this narrative that addiction is a disease, right? Mm, yeah. Well, it, it is. I don't think there's a ton, there's very little argument about that in the medical community. There's some people outside of the medical community that don't believe it, and there's frankly a few in, but it's a disease. Mm-hmm. So if it's a disease, who should be dealing with this problem? The medical community. Right, exactly, right? Well, medical community is are humans like everyone else. We look at the guy that's passed out in the gutter and think, oh, gosh, I don't want to deal with that guy, right? Oh, trust me, every time I take somebody to the ER, I get that. Right. We, we don't want to have to get, there's, a, there's, an yeah. old, there's an old, old saying in the ER, it's called Gomer. Okay. Get out of my ER. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. used for drug addicts all the time, Gomer. It's Gomer. another Gomer, get out of my ER. Get him out. Yeah. Um, so the medical community should have stepped up and treated this as the prob- medical problem that it is. And the medical community shirked their responsibility. Mm. And so the, the alcoholics and then later the heroin addicts start committing crimes. And since the medical community has basically refused to deal with it, it fell to the legal system. Now cops are dealing with it, right? And, and, and prison wardens are dealing with it. And, and so it became a criminal sort of activity based on the fact that doctors did not step up and do what they should have done with this as a disease because I don't know why they didn't do it, but probably because nobody, I get it. Because the stigma I, started all I the way back it. in the The stigma was there the from 1800s. the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can look at a guy passed out in a gutter and it's pretty easy to have a judgment on that guy. Definitely. Right. And I think that's what happened is doctors did that. And like, I don't want to deal with that guy. He's not, he doesn't have a disease. He's making terrible choices. Stop drinking. Right. Well, I mean, the stigma could, started Could early. you equate this to the, to the uh, individuals who show up in the ER with uh, uh, orifices filled with objectionable objects? It's a great point. You know, it's like you look at them, you roll your, you see these stories online, you laugh about them, like how they do that. What's going on here? And it's like, but they made a choice to do that. And I think there's that right. same idea. They have a car accident victim. Oh, great. Uh, stroke, heart attack, not their fault. You know, substance abuse, their, their fault. fault. Right. Somebody right. sticking things where they shouldn't be, their, their fault. fault. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, some dumb kid, whatever, doing some TikTok thing, their fault. So right. I think there's a line. But 
more so, as you're saying, more right. so with substance with, with addiction. There, yeah. it, it's it's very stigmatized and. And yet here I sit trying to fight this battle my whole life of trying to make sure people understand that it's a disease. It's not a bunch of bad moral choices. So um, so that's how it got to where we are today. The criminal yeah. system, the legal system has had to deal with addiction and they've done the best they could. But that's not who should have ever been dealing with it. So now criminals and now drug use and drug addiction is criminalized well it especially started back in 1971 when president nixon did the war on drugs sure, right sure right? yeah for sure sure so, so listen let me tell you a quick story about that okay so nixon stood up and declared that drug use is the nation's number one problem mm -hmm. and the democrats you know after a state of the union address how how there's always a rebuttal the democrats put out a rebuttal joe biden was the speaker for the democrats at the time Mm. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what the Democrats' response to Nixon saying it's our number one problem is? What was that? Your your approach to it's not strong enough. Mm. They opposed what he said because they think he didn't take it far enough. He was proposing mandatory minimums for drug use and drug possession. And the Democrats stood up and said, no, it's not strong enough. So Doesn't surprise there me. was in the 70s, that's the sort of the beginning of the war on drugs right there. So we got about five minutes left in this first one, and I might as well just go off on a tangent oh, man, because we're do doing math. tangents anyways. You can do math. I can't so, do math. So what, which you talked about, Joe, and I know this isn't a political podcast. Uh, I just want to know what's happening to our country. Whatever happened to not leaving a man behind? Whatever happened to, to freedom? All of a sudden, did you hear what he put out yesterday? It's not a man, though. No man or woman left behind. Uh, 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 we uh, left people yeah. behind in Afghanistan. Sure. That goes against everything that my great-great-grandfather fought for, yeah. my great-grandfather fought for, my grandfather and my father fought for. Sure. So that's a sense of issue. You did me. go way off topic. And then, now he put out yesterday, if you're a federal worker or yeah. over 100 people, you gotta have, a vaccine. have to have a vaccine. Yep. There goes freedom of choice. Love it. All right. Well, let's jump into Oregon. Just decriminalized small amounts of all drugs. Yes. Did you catch that? This no, article way is, out there in left field. You caught that? No, I just watched everything go left field over the fence, cross the railroad tracks, and down the road. Yeah, I, I Oregon. He set me Oregon. up on that one. Oregon. He set me up on that Let, one. Let's for, at least introduce for the twenty topic. minutes. We've been yes. talking about talking about. Let's talk about it. All right. So this is by uh, Kathleen Davis. She wrote this article, and basically it just points out that that Oregon's always been wild, wild west. Well, wait. Okay, great. I yeah. love that. Go there. Yeah, Sorry. they have. They've always been wild, wild west. So according to what her does that article. Mean? They've just been doing their own thing. So okay. let, me, let me give you some examples. Oregon became the first state to decriminalize marijuana, its use, back in 1973. Well, Eugene the Third, Literally two years after Nixon declared the war on drugs. Yes, yes. Interesting, they, huh? Yeah, they weren't, they weren't having it. Yeah. Uh, so in Eugene, they're the third largest city in the state. They deploy health care workers, not police, when, something is having, when someone is having a mental health crisis. I'm not against that. I actually That's like that. That's a great policy, I like though. that. So, That's but they were the first policy. to do that. That's recognizing addiction as a yes, disease. They were right the there. first to do that. Oregon was the first state uh, to enhance the Death with Dignity Act in 1970, 1997, sorry, which allowed terminally ill people to end their life on their terms using lethal medication. Long debate there. Yeah. We're yeah. not going to do that but that's an interesting uh, that's the but wild that's what you're that's your that's point what of, i mean it's the wild wild west. when i say they're the wild wild west they've been right. doing some out of the box stuff yep for a long time yep however the push comes from the drug and policy alliance which is a new york based organization that's who kind of started this whole this whole movement and like dr seller said there's basically how it so last november it was passed and it actually went into action in february and so let's say you drive, I'm a police officer and I'm driving down downtown Portland and I see somebody smoking crack. Okay. I approach them. I can eat. They basically either get a hundred dollar fine or they have to do an assessment. Okay. That's the way it sits right now for small amounts. Okay. Do you want to go tell, over the small amounts? Yeah, let's tell them that because we got enough time to do that. Let's introduce the bill. So the bill basically from now on, if you have possession of small amounts of drugs, you can get you you get a violation, which is a fine or the assessment. And the the amounts are as follows: you can have anything less than one gram of heroin on your person. MDMA is a gram or five pills. 
Methamphetamine is two grams. LSD is 40 units. Psilocybin is 12 grams. Methadone is 40 units. Oxycodone is 40 pills. And cocaine is two grams. And then just to bring anything under circle. that, you get a fine or you get a violation. You don't get a criminal charge. Right, right. It's basically the equivalent of a speeding ticket. Right. And so anything over that, one to three grams of heroin is still a misdemeanor. Right. Well, just anything above that's basically a misdemeanor. Right. All right. Well, join us in episode 51, part two. When we come back, we're going to dive more into this whole decriminalization topic. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become with the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times, and it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. Welcome back, everybody. Part two of the podcast We Do Recover with Jared Miller. This is episode number 50? 51. 51, sorry. Episode number 51, and, and episode 51 is sponsored by, part two is sponsored by the Hilton Garden Inn, where it's always sunny and bright. So if you're traveling through southern Utah, give them a Google search, because Hilton Garden Inn is a great place to stay. They have great amenities. The people are always super friendly. The rooms are lovely and cool. I love how cold my room gets. I stayed in a hotel in Vegas, and I couldn't get my room cool enough. It was weird. Of course, I stayed in the cheapest hotel in Vegas, but that's why. <laughs> They're skimping on the AC, huh? Oh, yeah. By the hour. Apparently, yeah. It's a <laughs> by the hour hotel in Vegas. Um, but anyway, the Hilton Garden Inn's been really good to us, and so give them a Google search and, and give them a shot at your customer service because they'll treat you like a really, like a part of their family. Okay, right. let's move on. I, I want to, here's where you, here's where we left off, and I want to get moving on this, but uh, actually, Misdemeanor is for heroin between one and three grams. MDMA is one to four grams. Meth is two to eight grams and cocaine is two to eight grams. But above that can still be a felony. Got you. So, so major distribution is still a so, felony. Right. So for heroin, four grams, four grams of heroin is a felony. Mm. But less than one gram is a citation. One to three grams is a misdemeanor. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, it's interesting because... There are some things listed there that can kill you. Oh, absolutely. Some of those amounts that are finable are enough to kill you. How much fentanyl does it take to kill somebody? Not much. And that's the problem with some of the things is fentanyl is being so commonly cut into drugs these days, particularly methamphetamine. Um, methamphetamine is containing tons of fentanyl these days, and there's no way to know how much. There's no way for the customer to know how much fentanyl's in there. And so one to three grams of, no, wait, what was meth? Two grams of meth. That can contain enough enough fentanyl to kill somebody for sure. So here's my question. Does it really matter? Because, I mean, people who are using are using. I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to look at it from both perspectives. What, what do you mean by that? I'm not sure what you mean. People that, people, so people who are addicted to drugs, I don't know that it truly matters, like, as far as, they're still going to use, right? So your users, I don't think are necessarily, well, of course they contribute to the problem, but they're the ones addicted. The ones who actually, you know, the ones catching felonies are the ones distributing it. And right. that's still a felony. Okay. All right. So that's one thing that I, I just want to point out, right? Is it's not like they're saying, oh, free for all, decriminalized everything. Right. Have a smorgasbord of drugs. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Like it's not completely decriminalized. Right. Personal, supposedly, quote, personal use is decriminalized. Yeah. But I, I, I make the case when you look at this stuff, um, 40 pills of oxycodone. That's plenty. 
Oh, yeah. Who needs to carry 40 pills around? Most people with oxycodone, for example, have 30 pills at home and have five in their pocket. Yeah. No, no, very few people are carrying around 40 pills. That's a lot, actually. 40 hits of LSD? 40 hits of LSD. <laughs> that's enough for a long time. That's that's personal use for a week. <laughs> or right? a month. Right. It's 40. Not, if you took not, one a day for 30 you days, you don't need to have that have... on yourself, right. on your person. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know. I struggle with that. Let, let's talk about the pros and cons. And well, and like Tim said, a combination of a couple of them can cause death. Yeah, for right? sure. If you're for mixing sure. those, that's a great point, Tim. For sure. Uh, they didn't say anything. I didn't read anything about benzos, which is interesting because there are illicit benzos. Yeah. Illicit means you don't have a prescription for them. You got them some way other than the legal way where you went to a doctor and got a prescription. Um, and there are illicit benzos, but there was no, I didn't read anything about there being a violation of being a possession of benzos being just a violation. So I'm not sure what that means, but for sure that combination of benzodiazepines, which are like Valium and Ativan and Klonopin, those things plus any opiate is the deadliest combination of right, things in right. the U S methadone and methadone and, and benzos are, and particularly Xanax is probably the number one combo in the whole U S yeah. for yeah. deaths. So to get back to this uh, article that we read, Oregon just decriminalized all small amounts of, or small amounts of all drugs, now what, by Kathleen Davis. Okay. So um, basically it, the next part that I got highlighted here that I really liked is, is how does the recovery community feel about this, right? People like us that work in the recovery community. So those who work in the addiction recovery services in Oregon are split. There are people who are really excited about Measure 110 and those who are not. Okay. Okay. So it talks about Mike Marshall. And he oh, is. I hate Mike Marshall. You don't even know Mike oh, Marshall. Oh, good point. <laughs> so he's one of the loudest against Measure 110. Okay. He's an executive director of Oregon Recovers, an organization that serves the addicted for people in, re in the recovery community. He is in recovery himself for alcohol and crystal meth. Marshall supports decriminalization, but he says Oregon Recovery Services is fractured and incomplete. People often have to wait for several weeks for a treatment bed to open up, and many service centers are outside of the traditional healthcare system. Okay. So I'm going to stop you on that because unless Can we you finish have more his, with Mike Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. Go let's finish this. So he continues. So uh, Marshall says that um, previously when people were arrested and written up for possession, many were court mandated to treatment, right? That's kind of the model that we know of here in Utah. The system wasn't perfect, but it was helped, but it helped some people get into recovery. Sure. Planting seeds, right? Sure. Now Marshall says a lot of people will be cut off from that support because small levels of possession will be treated essentially as a speeding ticket. Right. I think the largest unintended consequence is that the overdose rate are going to shoot up, Marshall said. No pun intended. Um, Ooh, there's going to be funny. more people on the streets using drugs. No mechanism to either interrupt to either interrupt them or direct them to treatment. And it's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I want to point out to a couple of things real quick. First of all, we we don't know the answers. Well, we're, yeah. we're going to debate. We're just this. talking about. We're going to debate this a little bit. We don't know what how this is going to turn out yet. Nobody knows actually how this is going to turn out. People are pointing to Portugal which has decriminalized almost all drugs and said, hey, this is this is uh, Oregon now trying to be like Portugal. We are not Portugal. We will never, never be like be Portugal. Portugal. It's not, the, the situation's way different. The United States is vastly different than Portugal in a number of things, including access to healthcare and that sort of thing. The second thing I'd like to point out, if we're gonna be fair to the bill, the bill also takes Money from, so so cannabis uh, sale has been legal in Oregon for a long time now, Since as you pointed out, 73. This takes some of the profits from the sales tax on cannabis and diverts them to uh, providing treatment. Well, that was the idea. It's still being debated. Yeah, it is. But there's, they're, they're just, they're working out the little details of it. But essentially, they're going to take some of the profits from cannabis, which previously had just gone to education, not drug education, just the educational right. system. They were taking that and using it for the educational system. And this is going to divert at least some of that towards hopefully helping people find access to treatment. Mm. So here's a question for you. Yeah. I sense, since I'm the normie over here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those who have uh, been affected by, or those who are addicts and are arrested for criminalization of substance abuse 
and are forced into a rehab program? What kind of success rate do you have? That's a great question. What kind of people that are, you know, where society, the judge says, you are in jail, you're forced into rehab, deal with it. What kind of success rate do you have compared to those that are like, okay, now I'm ready to change? That's a good question. And I think it's a really fair question. Uh, I was listening on the way down. I listened to two podcasts about this just to see if I could get some viewpoints that I hadn't thought of before. And one of the people who was so pro this bill was saying that before nothing ever worked because when you force people into treatment, they never get better. And that's not true. That's not according to statistics. People that are court ordered to go to treatment have success rates that are fairly similar to people who choose to come to treatment. Now, unfortunately, there's the success two of rates, in this room right now. Right. Well, I wasn't forced. You weren't court ordered into treatment. I wasn't court ordered per se. I okay. mean, if I wanted to keep my license, I had to go to treatment. So <laughs> it's kind of it's it's a coerced for sure, but not quite court ordered. But yeah, okay. But. Um, uh, I, I, I think that that's, uh, I, the success rates overall for the treatment industry aren't that high anyway. It's a difficult disease. And I think one of the things we fail to do is we compare apples to oranges because the success rates of treating any chronic disease are fairly low. If you take hypertension and a guy goes to a doctor for hypertension, how many of them don't ever have a high blood pressure in the next year? Like very few of them. But if you treat drug addiction and somebody relapses one time in the following year after that, we call that a failure when, in fact, that's kind of how it goes. That's how chronic diseases are. Yeah, yeah. Great question. Here's how I'm going to answer it. Some of my hardest clients are exactly what you just described. Forced into rehab? Uh, unwilling, right? Okay. Dishonest. So here's, here's, but here's what I'm going to say. Oftentimes, people go to drug court where they're supervised, they have to go to treatment, right? And they're monitored UAID, and that's a, a year program. When people go through that program, here's what typically what happens. Even though they're unwilling and they're unhonest and they're, they're right, not open, their life gets substantially better in that year period. Oftentimes they hold a stable job for the first time in a long time. Oftentimes their family members start talking to them again. Oftentimes if they have kids they're estranged from, they start getting back involved in their kids' lives. So at the end of that one-year period, yes, you're absolutely, I mean, if they want to go back out and reuse and they're off probation, that's their choice. And here's what happens. We plant a seed. And if they choose to go out and pile more manure on top of that seed after we've planted it, great. And hopefully one day, when they're down and out, they got the gift of desperation, they'll go, you know, one of my happiest times in the last five or 10 or whatever years, fill in the blank, was that year I was court ordered and I did drug court. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I wanted to lead into the next question I had. So you talk about the decriminalization of, uh, of drugs and substances in Oregon. Do you then apply laws like you do with alcohol? Okay, you get in a car accident, it's one thing. If you get in a car accident have a de- because you're drunk, then it's much worse. So instead of punishing the drug use, you punish the crimes associated with the drug with use. Drug use yeah. I can so, support that. You know, you're, you're not just robbing a lady, you're robbing a lady because you're high and you're looking for drug money. Okay, now that, that holds, that, that, puts, offense, that right. would put you into, quote, drug court. So instead of being just, oh, hey, you, you had a bunch of cocaine on you, you're going to drug court. No, no, drug court's now because of the crimes associated with the substance. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think we're hitting on all the right cylinders, and those are great questions. The problem with, I think, what they're doing, this is my opinion, because I'm going to take an opinion on it. I think the problem with what they're doing up in Oregon is it's too, a too soft of an approach, right? So, for example... Oh, you sound like Joe Biden talking about Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> for example, this thing rolled out in February of 2021. As of August of 2021, guess how many people actually showed up for an assessment that, so, that called that number? So here's the, let, let's, oh, point, let's point this out real quick. I don't want to hear what the number is. What's the I number? know, but I, I'm not going to let them do the number yet. Okay. Because what happens is if you get somehow, if you interact with the police and yeah. you have less than a gram of heroin on you, you have two choices. Pay a fine, go get an assessment. Now let's talk about the fine. That's the choices. If you don't pay the fine, guess what happens? Uh, 
Almost nothing, frankly. Nothing. There is no, if you don't, there's no failure to appear warrants if you don't nope. show up for your court date. You know, there's none of that stuff. So it's got no teeth. So sort the fine of. is basically not worth even the paper that they write it on. Right, right. But in essence, that's what the bill says. You can right. pay a fine or you can go get an assessment. Now, okay. So, so and a lot of people are not going to want to pay a fine. Right. Although if they find out there's no consequences to not paying, they'll choose that. But anyway, let's assume you had to pay the fine. Some people are going to choose assessment. So how many people have chosen assessment? How many people have shown up? So this got rolled out in February of 2021. Okay. As of August. So we're we're talking about six months. Mm -hmm. Less than 30 people have shown up for an assessment. And how many assessments have been given? or subscribed or whatever what's the, what's the term so so, so when you're so when you're in the you moment with when you're interacting with the police officer this is how i understand it when you're in the moment of interacting with yeah. the police officer you can either they either write you a fine or you can call the number with the police officer right there and make an appointment so how many phone calls have been made if oh, there's I, 30 I, that have done it i'm sure 30,000 i don't know i'm, I'm sure uh, you know I, I would be guessing if I to try to answer that. So on the street, people are, are like, yeah, yeah, I'll call the number, and then they don't. Right. Or, well, or they don't show up. Sure, officer, well, they call sure, the, officer they call Jackson, the number, let's call then, the number. But then oh, they don't show you up. you can give right. me a next week? Great. I'll be hey, there. thanks. See I'll you be next there. week. Click. Right. And then they never show. It's because they're on drugs at the time. You have <laughs> so to wait for them to sober up. Then you give them the ticket. So but the, therein lies the problem, in, so in the, my opinion. That's a problem. There's no teeth to this at all. There's nothing here at all. And some people are going to bristle at the word teeth because we're not trying to bite people we are trying to we're trying to decrease public drug use i think i don't know maybe maybe that's not even a worthy goal but i liked what sean said because to sean's point if i'm strung out okay if i'm strung out on heroin i've been here i'm talking about the old days now if i'm strung out on heroin it's only a matter of time until my addiction crosses over into shoplifting because you being strung out is between you and you. Right. In, in a narrow point of view. You have not affected me at Unle- all. Unless you're in a co- behind the wheel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah you, behind the wheel, you're right. breaking into my house for, to right. steal whatever. But if I'm smoking heroin off tinfoil, it's not harming you. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I get what in, you're saying. Yeah, you're, you're at home and you're you're right. doing whatever. That's that's between you. You know, the same thing with prostitution. It's two consenting adults, as, as one theory goes. Right. But once you start acting and I become harmed or you harm people in society that's mm-hmm. yeah once i start shoplifting or exactly. once i start stealing copper or once i start right. what, what were some of the other things that we used to do yeah yeah i'm, I'm hopefully the statute's over and i think pawn, that's where the idea pawn, is is like well if you stop hypothetically hypothetically pawn our mom's tv and that might be right. the original thought is if we stop the drugs then we stop the copper theft and we stop beating up grandmas and we stop this no right. that's a thought that's a beautiful thought that's what a lot of that's what a lot of things have been aimed at is reducing the impact on society right i think that's what's all methadone clinics were invented so that opiate addicts didn't have to go out and steal stuff to pay for their heroin the government and then sponsored methadone clinics because what it did, the one thing we know methadone did was it reduced the number of crimes that heroin addicts were doing on the street to pay for their heroin habit. Right. And so, so if, if people are strung out, even though this is that's called a harm great reduction, effective thing. Yeah. It, it's just a matter of time until they cross over into an illegal activity like you're talking about. Yeah. But if, but then again, if, if the state is offering safe drugs and you're able to do things these things in safe places, does that reduce uh, the problems that occur with it? Reduces harm. Yeah. So it's like, hey, so, I, I can go home and do some heroin, and I know the heroin I got. I got it over at uh, at whatever at, at, at the pharmacy. It's good stuff, and I can go home and do my amount, and I can be happy all weekend. I'm not harming anybody compared to running downtown trying to find a heroin dealer, having to deal with all that, stealing money to get it, stealing, you know, and then, you know, getting baked behind the 7-Eleven and then any problems that occur with that. So you make a point except uh well, a problem with your point is so far the state is not supplying the drugs, right? There are a lot of states that have so you're still having to buy your heroin from a dealer. You have no idea what's in your heroin. If the state started supplying the heroin and and certififying that it was pure, that would eliminate some of that for sure. And then, what about the pot stores? What do the, they get their, their is that state sponsored? Yeah, pot? those are grown by those are grown by state approved farms. Okay, that's what's happening in Utah. There's only five people that nope, that's not true. 
There are 11 licenses given to people to grow pot, but they're overseen by the state. But in other states as they're well. private you know, for, growers. So they, in other states, they have, the pot comes pot. from state-approved right, areas. Yeah, right, yeah. So theoretically... It's, a, it's an individual farmer, but he has to pass some stuff that the state... But what, yeah. what you're talking yeah. about is more like in in like the UK, Amsterdam type stuff, right? Where you can go somewhere. I'm buy so some ignorant. Well, no, I'll just go with that no, one. Yeah. Yeah, no, but, no, no, that is no, true. Because we do it in Utah. We have. Do you have state facilities we that have are distributing a, we have a, heroin? We have a safe injection site. They're not distributing no, 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 the I'm heroin, about where you but can they buy. are providing clean needles and yeah. they are supervising people shooting up so that if they overdose, then there's somebody there that can give them naloxone right away. So that's starting to happen. And Oregon for sure has safe injection sites. If you read some, a couple of those articles, oh, yeah. they talk about it. So they're doing some of that stuff. I want to point out two quick points okay. that I forgot to. First of all, Oregon is almost last in the nation in access to treatment. Right. So this, even though they're wild west in policy, they, their citizens have a very hard time accessing treatment to begin with. And that's what people are going to California and Washington yeah. for treatment from Oregon. Cause there's not much in the way of treatment. That's what Marshall there. points out is, Oh, we're talking about averting them into treatment. However, there's no beds there's no available. Treatment. There's no right. treatment, right? right? Like it's, you're basically creating this Avenue where it's a dead end. Yep. My second point that I want to make really quick is, um, not everyone who gets stopped that has less than a gram of heroin on them is a heroin addict. Okay. Some are users. Some are playing around on a weekend. Uh, this, this having stuff on you does not prove you're addicted yet. Look, and, and if I you have, have no, stuff on you every day for a year, right. you're probably addicted. So you can't say that drug use is a black and white issue. You have people that are addicted. You have right. The, there, you there are people for there fun. Ten percent. Ten percent of people that use substances, alcohol, doesn't matter what the substance is. Ten percent of people end up becoming actual addicts where they everyday use. And then there's the other group that says, oh yeah, I do it. And I can't, they say they can quit and they can. There are people that, there yes. are people, there like are that. people that yeah. can do that for and sure. And then of course, all the other ones who just, who, I can quit anytime. That's, no, you can't. Yeah, you they're know. just in denial. They're <laughs> part of the There's a lot of people that say they can quit anytime. That but for the people that are can't. just like, hey, this is my recreational fun. They do it just on a weekend. They never do it during work. They never let it affect any of their other activities. Yeah. There are people out there that do that like, like people that drink socially. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that they're moving in the right direction as far as having it be a healthcare issue. I just don't like that there's no accountability to this bill. To this there law is, now. There isn't much accountability. There's no accountability. Yeah, that's a downside of and, the bill. And look, for here's sure. the here's the reality. Today in 2021, there's 23.5 million Americans that are living life in recovery. I mean, I don't know that we're com that the system that we have is completely broken already. And who knows? We will only know in 10 years from now that's, if this was the correct. Okay, so maybe, maybe here's, I just point. had another thought here. Now we're talking about those who that can partake. And it does not quote affect them. They can they can partake. What is what's yeah the, the weekend sure. ravers. We, weekend ravers. Yeah. Sure. Do you both of you as recovering addicts have negative or biased feelings towards people who uh, can enjoy these things? No. Where I it was don't. an addiction. I don't. And a and a downfall in your life. I don't. I know I can't be one of those people, but I don't have any bad feelings towards people that can. And so give so if there's a, a bill that says hey they can go out and they can smoke some crack and it's okay and it's like oh wait a second I had a problem with that well ago. I think crack is bad for society but I don't have a bad feeling about the person that smokes crack okay I think crack is not something that is ever going to help society be any better but my thing is I don't I don't have a problem with them uh, however I do think that it contributes to the problem I do think it contributes to the overall the overall problem, because here's the thing is you don't know, you don't know if, if you're part of the, if right genetics is 40% of addiction is genetics. And so if you're going out, if we all go out, okay. And we all do a, you know, whatever, some ecstasy and go to the club, Sean. Well, how do you know if you have, right. That you're going to wake up the next morning, right. the genetic factor where right. you wake up the next morning and go, I got to do it again and again and again, or we're, we move on with college life. Well, yeah, I mean, you could be addicted to pornography or you could be sure. showing your shoulders at BYU. But it's, but I mean, it's, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> you brought that full circle. But addicted to pornography is the same, is the same, oh, it's all the same mechanism in the brain for sure. And what the mechanism is again, here, I'm going to harp. We're almost out of time, but uh, it's a great topic. I'm going to harp on this. Uh, all these drugs that we abuse, 
release dopamine in our midbrains in massive amounts. Our midbrains weren't built for that. They're not built for the massive surge of dopamine that we get from drugs and alcohol. And so if used long enough by anyone, Mm-hmm. Anyone can become addicted. So I got two things real fast. genetically predisposed people more likely, but anyone can become addicted. Here's an argument against it. Okay. Right. People, small businesses in Portland are closing down because families do not want to bring their kids when they know that Joe or whoever, John, Susie, whoever smoking crack on the corner. Right. If I'm a family man, I, and I know that there's this nice little diner on the corner, but I know people are outside smoking crack or shooting up heroin. I'm not going to go to that diner. So it's starting to affect downtown Portland. The second thing is arguments for it are this. We take somebody who's using, we let's say heroin, we throw them in jail. They have four sobriety. They get out. They don't realize their tolerance has dropped and what happens. Right, they, die. they overdose and they die. Right. So there's the argument. And my last point here is... Up, up north in Davis County, they have the receiving center where you cut, run into a, right? The police officer catches you. He either says, A, you're going to jail or B, you can go to this deferment center where then you can go to treatment. I like that solution. Right. With that, sure. I submit. Yeah. Um, any last thoughts, Sean? We're about out of time. No, I was just wanted to it's talk a, about hookers some more. It's an, inter- <laughs> it's an interesting, this is a very interesting bill. I, I dislike one thing and I think we call people, we call things that make bills like this, we call them progressive. I don't know that we know this is progress yet. Yeah. We don't know the outcome yet. Right. We don't know if this is progress or not. It's an attempt that the, to battle the war on drugs, which has been pretty much a dismal failure. Oh, absolutely. No question. And I like, I like the decriminalization. I just don't agree with the no accountability. Yep, exactly. So there's got to be some kind of follow through. Yep. All right, well, check it out. Join us next week for episode 52. Uh, we got Brandon. Uh, man, my mind just blanked. That's all right. We, we got, got our Brandon guests talking coming. about step three next week. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.